0: Welcome to Comms Coach, the podcast that delves deep into the world of training and quality assurance for 911. Your host, Lori Henriksen, is a veteran in the field with more than 30 years' experience as a dispatcher, trainer, and high school teacher who started one of the country's first 911 dispatch programs for high school students in Las Vegas, Nevada. In each episode, a lineup of expert guests dive into the critical aspects of emergency communications training, quality assurance, and improvement. This is Comms Coach, building the strength behind every call. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another inspiring podcast here on Coach, designed to offer insight into the challenges and demands of 911 dispatch centers and discuss strategies that we can implement to ensure that we're serving our communities and responders the best way possible. Most dispatchers receive some type of floor training, hopefully receiving instruction from a communications training officer. However, the role of a CTO varies across the U.S., A CTO makes such an impact on a new employee that this role is an essential part of not only the initial training, but in retaining great dispatchers who will contribute to the success of your team for many years to come. I'm super excited about my amazing guest today. Chris Nichols is a CTO with New River Valley 911 Authority and has seriously been making an impact when it comes to promoting the professionalism and training necessary for our CTOs. Welcome, Chris. Um, hi. Can you, please, hi. <laughs> can, you please give, can you please give us a brief description of your background in emergency telecommunications and in training?
1: Yes, so I started dispatching February of 2015, so I am about eight and a half years in, and about four years ago, I believe, I started training, so pretty much half my time in dispatch has been spent. Oh, yeah. being a
0: trainer. That's awesome. So how did you actually get into dispatch to begin with?
1: So I think it's so funny because I don't know if I've ever met somebody who purposely became a dispatcher. It always you just kind yeah. of fall into it. So my right. falling into it story was I had been um, went to college and I graduated with a bachelor's of arts in theater performance and design. And I was very oh, wow. interested in the technical aspect of theater, directing, stage production, lights, sounds, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just, once I graduated college, I realized I wasn't willing to move to New York or L.A. or a big place because I'm from a small little area in Virginia. Oh, and wow. so once I graduated, I was kind of putting in a bunch of job applications and nothing was really going anywhere and you know, student loans are approaching, bills are approaching, I'm becoming very responsible for my own life. And my dad, who is still on the police force, he's been doing this about 38 and a half years. He said, okay. well, I've got an opening at the police department for a dispatcher. And even though I had mm-hmm. grown up around officers and police departments and had seen dispatchers before, I really had no idea what they did because I don't think anybody really knows what they did. No. Um, it's, and I literally had been in so, m- so many police stations growing up as a kid. And I still mm-hmm. never really, I guess, paid attention. So <laughs> I thought, okay, I'll, I'll put in for it. You know, I'll just work there for six months, you know, until I find another job. And I blinked and I'm been <laughs> doing this almost Here you decade. are. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm happy. I'm glad I, I'm glad my life went this way. Um, but it was, a, it was really just a. I kind of fell into it because I, right. at the time, didn't really know what else I wanted. And then once I got into it, I realized I'm actually really good at this. And then once I started right. training, I'm actually really good at this too. So it's definitely helped me staying over the years.
0: That's awesome. I mean, it's an it's an amazing job. That's what I tell everyone. It's the best job that there is. Like, it, it's just you can't even. Say the words. And, and again, you never know about this job until you're actually in it.
1: You can explain it all day. And until someone's actually sitting there, they're never really going to know.
0: Which exactly. is one of the
1: frustrating things now that we're in it. Right. We can't even explain to other trainers that may not even be in dispatch like what we do. Because it, it's <laughs> so hard to translate dispatch skills to mainstream job skills.
0: Exactly. It's like we're speaking
1: a different language. And at the end of the day, we're not really. All of our skills are very transferable and you can bridge so many gaps. But we've just been so out of sight, out of mind for a really long time. It's hard for people to make those connections.
0: Oh, totally. So actually, that brings me to my next thing. For our listeners out there that are truly unfamiliar with the topic that we're um, discussing today, what is a CTO and what is the role of a CTO?
1: So CTO stands for Communication Training Officer. And essentially, it is my job to onboard and train new employees to become fully-fledged dispatchers. And, you know, I know we're going to get into this a little bit, but every department everywhere is different. Mm -hmm. Whether you have onboarding that's classroom, onboarding that's the floor, whether admin or supervisors are in charge of some of it. Uh, But my main function at my specific agency is I get the trainees once they have done a little bit of onboarding and classroom stuff with our training Mm -hmm. coordinator, and then I take them and get them through the rest of their training on the floor, day-to-day, on-the-job training.
0: Got it. So besides the common training essentials like evaluating calls or radio transmissions um, and then filling out their DRs, D, excuse me, DORs, what else is the responsibility of a CTO? That's such a deep one.
1: I I mean, it <laughs> really is. Everything. I mean, you're pretty much, you know, in every good CTO class or course I've ever taken, shows that you're really not just the, I'm not just a trainer. I mean, you're so much (laughs) to the new trainees. And the biggest thing is just, you're their liaison. You're their guide to this job. It's you, them, and y'all are a team. And Mm -hmm. you're supposed to take them through this journey with you alongside. And I tell all my trainees, whenever I get them, you know, your triumphs are my triumphs. When you fail or when you make a mistake, that's my mistake or failure too. You know, it's not just you versus me it's us versus this right and, um i always tell my trainees that you know if i if i can ask them to aspire or want anything from this job is just please try to aspire to be the co-worker that someone's proud of that they're sitting next to
0: oh that's that yeah, that's that's I good
1: want, that's and that's what i aspire to be every day i want to mm-hmm. come in Sit down when I log in, whether it's other officers, other dispatchers, um, EMS fire, whoever, if they see my name or hear my voice, they know it's Mm going to be a good day because I'm going to get them to where they need to go. And at the end of the day, I've got their backs. And that's what I always try to make my trainees understand that concept and live up to that concept. Mm -hmm. I just want people to be proud that they're sitting next to you. And that they know that you're gonna help them with whatever needs to be done throughout the shift. So, that would be to me one of the other functions that I have as a trainer, not just teaching them the basics and teaching them the job and teaching them policies, but teaching right. them how to be a good coworker and a solid coworker and a trustworthy coworker, because those are the big things for me.
0: That's important. I mean, yeah. you can teach skills, you know, to almost anyone, but those those are are valid um, points to, to keep someone there and to make it a cohesive, mm-hmm. to, to make it a fun place to work and to keep that team atmosphere going in order mm-hmm. for anything to be successful. Exactly. Um, so in a way, you're also a, a counselor, a mentor, especially a mentor. Then. Oh, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean... And even I, who my husband jokes me because I say stuff about being an old timer and he's like, <laughs> honey, you are nowhere near an old timer. He's like, some people have been in this career for decades. I said, well, yeah. for me, I, feel, I feel like I've been doing this forever, but even I need mentors and there right. are people that I look up to because it, this is such an evolving thing. And mm-hmm. I always need someone to look up for too, or look up to as well. Um, so it's, It does kind of come full circle that I'm trying to be the best I can for somebody, but I'm also hoping somebody else will be the best they can for me.
0: And that will just keep on going. Exactly. And everyone needs a mentor. So um, so props to you. Um, I do my best. And you're you're rocking it. So there you go. (laughs) Um, If you are assigned a trainee, how often um, should you do some of these some some other things besides again just evaluating their calls or evaluating the radio transmissions if you were to create um training enhancements or activities or whatnot is there a certain i mean should you do these every day should it just be depending or like how often do you do these other activities with with your trainees
1: so i actually have a a session i did that I touch on this briefly, um, where I identify motivations in trainees and I use things like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and tie it Uh into, um, dispatch training. But I am a very type, a visual organized, extremely detailed kind of person. And Mm -hmm. I remember when I, I first started, uh, training, I had all these resources that I had made over the years. And I would just dump them on my trainees, like give them everything.
0: And it was information
1: overload. And it wasn't necessarily helpful because just because I looked at this and I thought this was just the best thing since sliced bread, somebody Mm -hmm. else would look at it like this makes no sense to me or I have no value in this because I don't necessarily, my brain doesn't work that way or I don't think that way. So as I've learned throughout the years, One of the best things to do with a trainee, especially when it comes to them taking ownership Mm -hmm. of their training and learning at their own, not necessarily pace, but the way they need to learn is to let them create their own resources and let them create their own packets. Or I call them like the dispatch Bible, whether, you know, I've had trainees that will come into work with a pencil and a piece of paper and that's all (laughs) they need. And right. to me, that makes me twitch. But if that's what helps them, then mm-hmm. what? who am I to say that's not the way to do it? I've right. had trainees that have their own Canva accounts, and they pile all their information in color-coordinated shapes and uh, their own guides for themselves, which I love those things. I've had right. trainees that make their own flashcards, make their own quizlets, mm-hmm. and... So I've learned, too, that I just need to let my trainees do what's best for them. And it's usually for me, I've noticed, it's hard to just dump all this information on a person because it's overwhelming. And I can tell you 39 times what Inlets is and how to run a criminal history. But Mm -hmm. if you've never even opened the program, it's going to mean nothing to you. So I'm going to pinpoint that until we actually come up with the reason to run a criminal history or the reason to pull up inlets. Uh-huh. So I've definitely had to, and it's part of my controlling personality. I've had to back off a little <laughs> bit of the years because I realized right? that it was super helpful to me, but it's not going to be helpful for you. I
0: right. have to
1: allow you to do your own thing. And and it's been great because some of the trainees I've had in the past have just absolutely blossomed and flourished and made amazing resources and content to where I'm like, can, can I have that? <laughs> can, I, can I take that exactly. later? Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. for a friend. Can I use that please? Right. So it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. You kind of have to humble yourself and realize that you may not know the best way to do everything. And you kind of have, because everyone, they're adults. People are coming to you as an adult with their right. own thoughts, feelings, way they need to do things. And mm-hmm. I've always said, as long as you're doing it accurately and efficiently and you're following right. policy, it doesn't
0: really matter to me how it gets done. Right. Well, and there's so many different ways to do things and everyone, I know what you were saying, everyone learns differently and we're more of a guide, um, mm-hmm. you know, because this trainee that you have right now, they may need this type of, of style, but this other one, again, they may be the one that learns everything like immediately. Um mm-hmm everybody so, I've
1: had, it's been different. The minute I finish uh-huh. a trainee and I think that I've got it down pat, somebody rolls up in and knocks me down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got to start from square one, but it's fine because that's, you know, that's kind of what keeps you on your toes.
0: Right. Well, and I like what you were saying about, um, you know, having them make their own quizlets and then make their own flash ca- cards and kind of stealing those things sometimes. Um, because They're learning something, but then again, you can use those training enhancements or those training tools, you know, for the next person. So it just keeps building. And so, yeah, I mean, that's awesome. I'm very directionally
1: Um, challenged. And I had a trainee one time make stuff for our, um, our highways uh and I was like, well, I'm going to just take this for myself (laughs) and I'm going to keep this in my folder for when I get confused.
0: (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I know from teaching at the high school for so many years, um, there are so many things that I've, I've gained and, you know, from the students because Mm -hmm. they've come up, especially the, I'm admitting my age right now, I started dispatching in the 80s, um, so (laughs) So my students now have so much on me uh, reference technology and they've come Mm -hmm. up with some amazing things. So I've used those for the classes afterwards or sometimes use those and tweak them, you know, to make them even better. So exactly. Yeah. So although agencies do vary in size and structure, if they have the manpower, how long should a trainee be with a particular CTO and why would that be?
1: So we go through this a couple times at our agency because we mm-hmm. don't necessarily have a set um, timeline on how long you stay with a particular person. All and right. I have kept people for months and months and months. I've kept people, you know, four or five weeks to kind of fine tune some things. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I've been assigned a trainee at the very beginning where they have just come off of being hired. And I Uh get them through the very beginning stages. And then I've been assigned a trainee in their last final moments where I kind of get them through towards the finish line. And we're in it right now where I've, I had a trainee for a couple months and she's just been awesome. She's been such a rock star. But just after discussions and talking, she's now moved to another trainer that we have on my shift who's also phenomenal. And she's, you know, still still in it doing wonderful, nothing's changed. And I think it's such a hard question because I've done it all, The I've done it always. I've had uh-huh. one there whole time from start to finish. And then, like I said, right. I've had little chunks of somebody. Um, I've had night shift people come to me for a little bit so they can get some cross training on daylight and kind yeah. of vice versa. Um, and I think a trainee, when they first get um, assigned to someone, They don't really know what to expect. So if, if it comes time for them to get moved, they automatically see it as something negative. Like, Oh no, Mm -hmm. I've done something wrong. My trainer doesn't like me or I have to move shifts because the shift doesn't like me. And I always tell my trainees at the very first day when I get them, we have our little powwow and I tell them, I'm being honest with you. I don't know how long I'm going to have you because Mm -hmm. sometimes y'all move. And I think that's great because I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses and I know how good I am at some things, but i I have some deficiencies in others and I'm glad mm-hmm. that my trainees moved to other trainers because I think a well-rounded experience is better for them.
0: Right. Some people might
1: disagree, but in my anecdotal evidence of having trainees get moved around every so often, I think they come out better on the other side.
0: Well, cause they can take pieces so good and bad from each trainer mm-hmm. And then make them their own. Exactly. And And there's some things that... Okay, you go ahead. No, go ahead.
1: (laughs) There's, I mean, I've definitely noticed there's some things that I harp on and then I might forget something else. And then another trainer is the exact opposite. What I may not remember to tell them, that's their number one priority. And so once I see all the trainees, like when they come out on the other side and they've gotten bits and pieces from everybody, I think it, I personally think it does them better than just staying with one particular person and i know every agency is different and some people might disagree with that and they would prefer mm-hmm. to stay with somebody from start to finish
0: right. just with
1: my agency size the types of calls we get the type of agency i have i've just noticed i think it's beneficial for them if they get multiple sides to everything versus just staying with one person
0: i agree the agency that i came from um, and some of the other agencies around here, uh, you changed trainers every four to six weeks. And I think that that was good. And there was different mm-hmm. reasonings, um, again, so that you learned different styles, different traits from each person. Um, but then again, they liked to put you on the different shifts because, you know, day shift gets certain types of calls. You get the, you know, the, the burglaries or the administrative type calls a lot yes. um, versus swing shift that you just get your, butt kicked all the time. Um yes. you know, and then Graveyard brings you especially here, you either get like the crazy calls, mm-hmm. nothing, or else that's when we get the insane pursuits oh, where the car yes. catches fire and somebody shoots the tire off. And it, you know yes.
1: One hundred percent. And that's yeah. And so sometimes we we joke like when I was in training and it was years ago. So it was kind of under a different administration um, uh-huh. than we have currently, but I basically did the tortoise shifts. I, when I, cause I had, um, come to this agency that I'm at currently after uh-huh. two and a half years of already being a dispatcher. So it was mainly uh-huh. just getting me cross-trained. I was already certified in Virginia. It was pretty mm-hmm. much just getting me a lay of the land, but I pretty right. much migrated to all four shifts. I think before getting assigned to the one that I've been on for about six years mm-hmm. now. Um, Mm -hmm. but it was, I mean, to me, I find it very beneficial because you see so many different viewpoints and you work with different people, different groups of officers, different groups of, you know, fire and EMS. I'm definitely a fan of it. I know, but it's just so different because every agency has their own structure. So somebody tomorrow could, could look at you and be like, nope, that would be a train wreck at our place. We would never do it. And then they would have valid reasons as to why that wouldn't work. And would probably be able to tell you every reason why that's a
0: terrible idea. Uh Uh-huh. Well, and that's the thing. That's what's hard to that's what's hard to put a center like just say this is the way it should be, because the US, I mean, depending on the community that you live in and again the size of the agency, there's a whole bunch of factors that play into it. So Yeah. yeah, totally. We are going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: This podcast is proudly sponsored by BX3
0: Public Safety. Their vision is built from the strong desire to advance 911 dispatcher training where excellence is the standard. Their services include consultation and training with a focus on vocational dispatch programs for high school or college level students and established public safety dispatch communication centers. They want to ensure that the next generation of public safety professionals have the knowledge, skills, and abilities to help keep our first responders and communities safe bx3 public safety where training excellence
1: is their standard
0: so say you and i were both at the same agency and we were both cto's and you had somebody for the last say six weeks and i was going to get them starting next week and i says hey you know what i want to bend your ear on the trainee you know what can i expect or you know how was she um and then we talk about that trainee for some people they would feel that that's Good and there's reasons for that, but then some people feel that no, you shouldn't know anything. Yeah. So we
1: at our agency, you know, the 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 rule of thumb is like you do not discuss a trainee with anyone else but the supervisor's admin or a fellow CTO. If you're getting, you know, we're not, we don't Uh do any of that talking on the floor. um And I know it happens in some places, but I'm a I'm a big advocate for no it's not necessarily any of your business right now. I'm their trainer. Um, and I definitely have talked to other trainers at my center just to get advice or, Hey, I'm kind of struggling on this. What do you think? And I've, Mm -hmm. I've kind of done it both ways. I've gotten a trainee before where I have combed through their DORs and I've Uh read everything there is to read. And right. then I have gotten trainees where I didn't read through their DORs for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. So I really think it just depends on the situation as to why they might be getting moved. If mm-hmm. it's because sometimes, you know, we are only human, you get moved because of a personality conflict,
0: yep. or you get
1: moved because it's a negative experience for both because it can be a negative experience for the trainer and a negative Mm -hmm. experience for the trainee. But I think that would be more when I have dealt with that kind of issues where it would be, I may be getting somebody that it wasn't necessarily a good experience for them with someone else. It's way more of a closed door conversation with administration and there's not a lot of details being given out. It's more like, you know, these are all their strengths objectively from administration giving it to me. These are their mm-hmm. weaknesses, but it's all very objective that's being given as this is the good. This is the negative. This is the plan we need you to work on. Right. And I take that information and I move forward because, I mean, there can be some pretty negative repercussions if you're just having a little vent fest with a fellow CTO mm-hmm to where your vision already gets clouded about someone before you even get them. You
0: know? Exactly. And I think that happens quite a bit because a, a trainer will, will tell the, the new one, Hey, well, you know, he can't do this. You know, I've tried and he can't, but then you'll get that person and you're like, wow, this, this, this trainee is phenomenal. And yes, they can. And it really was just a personality issue. Um, yeah. And I've been know, on with- both
1: sides of that. I've, mm-hmm. You know, I have had trainees that we didn't mesh for one reason or the other, and it's not necessarily one person's fault or this person or this person, but I have been given trainees before where we just clicked instantly and then some not so much. And if they got moved when it was their time to get moved, they just started thriving. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of sometimes a a trial and error, you know, before. you. And that's why I think it's such a I'm such a big advocate for rotating them. Because mm-hmm. you just don't know. You could have the best intentions by putting them with a certain person. And if it's not working out, you've got to try other avenues before
0: you just say, well, it's not cutting it. Time to, time to leave. Exactly. And, and you do gain that through experience of being a CTO, knowing when, you know what, I don't want to know anything about that trainee. I've kind of seen them working with their last mm-hmm. CTO and I just mm-hmm. want to see what I'm going to get fresh. But then there are some times that, you know what I said, you know, I I really need to talk to the previous CTO to just see what it is that they're struggling with or what, I, what else I can do to make them perfect at that or make them feel confident at that. So, yeah, it's really just your experience um, being a CTO and, and knowing kind of when you should and, and, and shouldn't kind of delve into that.
1: Yeah. And since everyone is an adult, I've had plenty of conversations with trainees that have come to me and I've looked right at them and said, tell me what you're really good at and tell me mm-hmm. what you need work on. And then we're going to go from there because I want to hear it from your mouth. I want to know what you think you don't need any help on and then what you do. And sometimes the trainees might be giving themselves a little bit of false hope where I'm like, well, you might actually need some help on this. You're not that cool yet. (laughs) I'd like to to dive in a little bit more to that, but that's another thing I kind of um, harp on too is that you've got to give these these trainees ownership of their training and not treat them like children. They have to be very involved in what they're doing. Because in sometimes in my early 20s, I mm-hmm. would get people that were a lot older than me, people that was like mm-hmm. their second job or something. And I one time I had I think back to back, I had two women that were about 20 years older than me. Oh wow. And I needed to be you know, and that, and it's intimidating in, in the beginning anyway, because I was younger, like, well, I'm in a, a position of authority with this person and they may mm-hmm. have 25 years of life experience on me, right? but they don't have dispatch experience on me. And that's a fine line to walk between, to know mm-hmm. when you're talking to them in an authority about dispatching versus talking to them in authority about life, if that makes Correct. sense. So oh, it's totally. very it's very totally. difficult sometimes and I've had to learn over the years how to do that and obviously as the years go on I get older so it it kind of balances out and now mm-hmm. it's weird I'm getting a shift now where I am I seem that I'm so much older than my trainees <laughs> now they just seem so young to me you know, right out of high school or something, or, you know, they correct 20 years old. And I just,
0: I feel so much older than them. You're not old. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. I get it. I do get it. Yeah. Well, and that's, I like what you're saying about given the trainee ownership and, and letting them express because they might also say, you know what, I don't feel confident in, in this certain thing, where if you looked at all their DORs or from their last CTO, um, it would, show that they were competent in it. And maybe that's something that they didn't feel like that they were. So um, that could be something that you would give them extra training on and you would have missed it if you just didn't give them an opportunity to express themselves.
1: Exactly. And it's not really fair to that person because, you know, this is their, this is their livelihood. This isn't just something that they're here doing for fun. Somebody's here because they want a job or they need a job or anything and right. it's a pretty, it's a pretty big deal from every little aspect of dispatching. It's a big deal. Whether mm-hmm. you're, you're here just because you need work or you're here because you love it. But it's also so many of these things are life and death. First, I mean, it's
0: like literally just so like- in,
1: it's so vast and it's you can fall into the wormhole of psychology on why this is so important and why it can be
0: so difficult. It is. I mean, you have the caller's life at stake. You have, you know, your officers, you have the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people get mad at officers or firefighters or whatnot that they made a mistake, but sometimes it wasn't their fault. It was actually dispatch's fault. Right. And maybe yeah. not even that dispatcher, but they didn't receive the correct training and yeah. they didn't feel confident in what they were doing. And it just spirals out of control.
1: That's what I call the snowball effect. If my trainees make a mistake or an error and it, it becomes okay. Like it works out in the end Mm -hmm. and I don't like to scare them, but I just like to be practical with them and tell them, okay, well, you made this error and by the grace Mm -hmm. of the universe, it turned out okay. But what if it didn't? And then I talk to them. I'm like, imagine a snowball at the top of a mountain and then the more mm-hmm. those mistakes, it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it's going to turn into an avalanche. And that's what I call my snowball effect. And I'm like, I don't mean to be such a black cloud and talk so horrible about the, all these awful things that can happen. But I need you to know how serious this is. This is not like, you know, this isn't some mistake like, uh oh, I got somebody's order wrong. And right. I accidentally did something that isn't really a big deal. It's more of an annoyance so we can fix it. Some of these mm-hmm. some of these mistakes have irreversible consequences that you cannot take back.
0: And you cannot. Oh, totally. oh.
1: So I definitely I definitely harp on that a little bit. And I think partly it comes from being a cops kid.
0: That I <laughs> exactly
1: I'm a little harder on some things than I am
0: on others. <laughs> oh yeah. no, I, I get it. And just a kind of a quick funny crazy story. Um when I was training many, many years ago. Um, we were in the final stages. And, you know, like sometimes if your agency has the capability, like we sat farther and farther away from our trainee yes. and could monitor from another console. So yeah. um, I was sitting clear across the room and my trainee was taking a call and it was a guy with a gun. He was in this convertible car in our downtown area and he was waving this black handgun and screaming. So she sent it up as, you know, a man with a gun. Officers are rolling code to, you know, to to get there and then all of a sudden and i'm listening to her she's doing great then the then the caller says oh wait no i'm sorry it's not a gun it's his cell phone and she goes what she says it's his cell phone and so i'm looking at her screen mm-hmm. and she doesn't do anything like there's nothing she's not updating the call oh, she's not sending a message <laughs> or whatever and i'm waiting and then i have the radio channel pulled up also and all of a sudden i hear the officer say we're arriving in the area and um, like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> yeah. So I stood up and I remember it, it like plain of bay, it was like slow motion, and I'm running across the room and I'm like, it's done, it's a cell phone. <laughs> Put it in the notes. <laughs> so she said it over the air and they they found out just in time, you know. And that could have ended done. up horrible. Yeah. So mm-hmm. then I went over to her and I just I grabbed my trainee. And I'm like, let's go talk. And <laughs> and she this had is never even not on the floor <laughs> yeah and that's the thing is is i'm like what did you hear she goes i don't know i like she even though she had acknowledged she hadn't even heard that but i mean did, it did register yeah no no so we had some discussions about guns and, and officer safety and all that but mm-hmm. yeah i mean one little mistake and that i mean just that little mistake could have been horrible horrible so Yeah, and that's um, what
1: I have to, I tell my trainees that all the time. I'm like, I'm like, I just need you to think about this for a second. I said, you, there's nothing that's gonna happen to you right now. Physically, mm-hmm. you are mentally, I can't say the same. However, physically, you are right. fine. There's nothing gonna be stopping like nothing is gonna happen to you in the next 10 minutes. You're safe. Mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. but everybody else is not. And right. what you put in that note, how you dispatch over the air, if you're screaming over the air. You're getting them worried. They're driving even faster to a call. I said, there's just Mm -hmm. so many things you're not thinking about. But you're sitting here safe. You're in a locked room. Most of the time dispatch is in like the basement. There's no windows. Or it's like key card access or bulletproof glass. I said, you're fine. Right now, I know Mm -hmm. this is a scary situation. But there's nothing going to happen to you at this moment. And I really need you to understand like the privilege you have at this moment. That you're sitting here totally fine. And I was like, and I tell my trainees, I said, if you need to get cocky, if you need to get conceited, I don't care, but I need you to Mm -hmm. think I am the only person in the universe that is going to help these people right now because nobody else is on the phone with them except you. Nobody else is on the radio with them except you. You're right. And I said, that might be scary to some people, but if you want to go the other route and feel that boost of confidence and get kind of conceited and say, you know what? I am going to do this. I am great. I am going to get these people safe. So that's what mm-hmm. I've had to, I've had to, ch- I've had to channel my fear into the confidence, into the, Oh man, I am good at mm-hmm. this because the other alternative is for me to fall apart and for me to get scared. Correct. And that's not going to help anybody.
0: No. And that's, I think what's stressful about being a CTO is because you are you are that trainee's protector. They're gonna make mistakes until they learn, mm-hmm. and even afterwards, they're gonna make um, some, hopefully not horrible ones. Um, <laughs> but we we are their protectors, and and we're there to offer them guidance and and get them through this. So, mm-hmm. with that being said, what should the initial selection process look like, and what type of training should a CTL receive, if any?
1: Well, one, I think the biggest thing is, you know, being, it's so weird to me because I see, I see on, uh, I'm part of a lot of social media, Facebook groups, mm-hmm. and I see so many people talk about I'm getting forced into training because there's no one else. And wow. to me, I just like my eye starts twitching because it is such a responsibility and it is such mm-hmm. a big deal. And if you don't want to do it, you shouldn't have to do it because you're only, it's only going to, it's, you're just setting everybody up for failure. The person you're forcing to do it, the person that has to sit with that person who's being forced to do it. So Mm -hmm. I definitely think, and I know some, some agencies are desperate. We're in a nationwide, horrible staffing shortage. So I, I absolutely understand and I get it, but at least you need to be a person that's in good standing with the agency. Somebody that has expressed interest in wanting to do this. Somebody Mm -hmm. that isn't just, yeah, I guess I'll do it, you know, but someone that has the passion for it. And you don't have to be, you know, day one, you don't have to be the perfect CTO because Lord knows I was not when I first started, but I wanted, I I wanted to do good and I wanted to constantly prove myself that I could do it. Um, So I definitely think, go ahead. Oh, I just, I definitely think there should be some type of structured selection process to where you actually go through a promotional process versus, well, somebody new came and we don't have anybody and my supervisor or my administration is making this person sit with me and I have to show them what to do.
0: Right. I'm not a huge fan of that. Before we talk about even their training then, would you say that being a CTO should be somewhat of a promotion and in turn would this assist in the professionalism shown by a CTO? I absolutely agree, one hundred percent.
1: Because it is so much more responsibility than you had the day before. Of coming in right. as a communications training, o- I mean, a communications officer um, mm-hmm. at the agency that I worked for previously, there was no promotional process. There's no um, monetary compensation. Uh, nothing. Oh. You just kind of was like, and I was, I, I want to say I was about twenty two, maybe, and I really, really, really wanted to do it. And I begged Mm -hmm. my agency, please let me go through the APCO training course online. Uh And finally, they let me do it. And obviously, I didn't pay for that myself. The agency paid for it. But once I had it, I was certified. And Mm -hmm. then um, I was given trainees every so often when they came through or, you know, I'd help other people train. I was never promoted. And I, I wasn't ever given any extra money for it or anything. Now, I was still young only Mm -hmm. about two and a half years in to dispatching. Um, So not immature, but I was just very, very young. And to me, I thought it was great. Like in my mind, it was, it was a promotion, even though I wasn't necessarily being compensated for it at all. But as I've gotten older and the agency that I'm at now, it's a very structured thing. You get, there's an interview process, there's testing, you get Mm -hmm. promoted, you have um, a raise, a monetary raise, Um, Mm -hmm. And if you ever step down from being a CTO or anything that rate, you know, the the money goes away and you go back to the grade that you were at. And I think that's how it should be. I don't think, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't ask a supervisor or somebody else in a leadership, we just want you to do all this responsibility and have all this work, but we're not giving you any money for it. And we're not really promoting you. And I know that happens in every place, not just dispatching. But I disagree right. with it completely. It's such, a, it's such an extensive role and there's so much responsibility tacked on for it. Mm-hmm. It needs to be a structured promotional process with some type of compensation
0: for doing it because it's such an important thing. I actually do agree with you. So what, um, what type of training should a CTO actually receive or what type of trainings are out there? And
1: that's kind of the, this is also kind of the gray area we have right now because so Mm -hmm. much in dispatch isn't standard. Correct. And we have nationwide problems where there's no standardization in dispatch. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that really gets me all kind of fluffed up about it because I just, (laughs) I'm a very, I'm a very black and white person and I do like rules and I do like structure and order. So when you kind of look around and go, oh, wait, Mm -hmm. certain states don't require anything or certain agencies don't require anything. Right. Ridiculous. Um, So whether I, you know, there's so many good CTO courses. There's the Denise Amber Foundation. There's APCO. There's Nina. I mean, I know there's Mm -hmm. so many of them. And to my knowledge, I could be wrong, but I don't know if there's a standard where you have to take it after a certain amount of months of being hired into a CTO. I don't, I've never heard of where I think agencies specific make that those standards. Yes. But I don't. I believe and it's per agency. And I think, and I don't remember exactly what my agency's standard is because I know we have, we offer the class every X amount of months or years whenever we get new CTOs coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we definitely do it in ours, but, it's still, I mean, you go through that you go through that initial CTO course when you get hired, right? Or you get promoted. And mm-hmm. then you could very well go the next 10 years and not have any additional CTO training. Right. Depending on your state, your locality, your agency. So it is it it does kind of bum you out a little bit. And it I mean it definitely bums me out. And it's not really anyone's any one particular person's fault for it. It's just right. dispatch has been pushed to the side for so long. I don't even really right. think anybody thinks about us, but I, I <laughs> wish there was a more standard or standardized how we get trained or how the trainers get trained, whether we have continuing education hours or whether we have to go in person every two years for something or virtually every two years. And we just, To my knowledge, at this point, we don't have that because, you know, there's no one knocking on our door saying, hey, you got to do this.
0: No, and we're lucky, like you said, that we're lucky that even there is some... CTO yeah. initial training, um, but yeah. it would benefit because, you know, especially if you train nonstop, it kind of gives you a break to, Hey, you know, I, I'm going to take a few weeks out to get this additional mm-hmm. training, but it also gives you a refresher or, Hey, there, these are some new ideas, or these are some new yeah. concepts that I could use. Um, yeah. I know. At the agency that I came from when I did my initial CTO training, um, it was offered actually by the agency and we're fortunate because we're large, um, but it was a week or two CTO Academy and, Mm -hmm. um, it was a classroom and we had all sorts of classes and courses. And then at the end we had a graduation ceremony with certificates and we got a pin. And so it was a big deal. But the cool thing is we were all on the same page. And so all of the evaluations were done the same and we all Mm kind of knew what was being evaluated. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. And I mean, I wish there was more of that because, uh
1: you know, just talking to people on Facebook that, I'm in this state, I'm in this state, I'm here, I'm here. and just the mm-hmm. lack of consistency really just makes your eye twitch. Like I oh, can't totally. believe that this is what you know some agencies go through or what some agencies do. And I mean, I don't know if we'd if we'll ever get to a nationwide standard when it comes to that, but even just maybe like a statewide
0: one. <laughs> would be nice. Something. Something. <laughs> Where does yeah, that? You're we not asking for much. <laughs> no, just something. Yeah. So I know that you have a lot of awesome ideas because I've seen some of them that you've offered on social media to um, other dispatchers. But what are some of your favorite training enhancement or activities that you have done with your trainees? So
1: in it's so funny because so many of those, the awesome ideas that I put mm-hmm. online and everything have come from like failures on my part <laughs> that I'll do something or I learn something new. I'm like, wow, I wish I knew that four years ago. Right. And and I've now that I'm just diving so much more into training, that's not dispatch specific. That's not public safety specific. When mm-hmm. I've, I go through and I'm learning all these things about actual training resources, it's like this light bulb's going off in my head. I'm like why didn't mm-hmm. I know this years ago? Why is this right. not why is this not mainstream knowledge for dispatchers? Mhm. You know. And right. And so all the content and everything that I've made it really just stems from me being super frustrated or me coming up with you know, hitting a roadblock, hitting a brick wall with trainees or just something imploding or to where I'm like, wow, I really wish I knew how to handle that better. And then I'm like, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to dive in and make a resource and hopefully nobody else has to deal with this. Like I had to deal with it.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: That's kind of what I do. I mean, every time I, every time I post something, it's because I've had some kind of not negative, but I've had some kind of difficult experience with that topic to where I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I wish, and I, and I'm kind of selfish because I make them the way I wish somebody just handed me everything that I do is like a love letter to myself at 21 years old. When I started dispatching, (laughs) I wish somebody I wish my future self zapped back eight and a half years ago and handed me that my Google document drive and said, here you go, this will help you. I promise you. (laughs) And that's, and so every time I make those things, I just hope that at least one person out there, one trainer out there will say, Oh wow, that's actually what I'm going through right now, and this gave me some new ideas or new viewpoints on how to handle it. So, I, but oh. I think one of my I think one of my favorite ones I've ever done was uh-huh. a, I guess it would have been about a year and a half ago, maybe my time blurs together. But um, <laughs> I just got really tired of fumbling through trying to explain what an Annie Alley screen was to my dispatchers, mm-hmm. and I said, "I I don't understand why I don't get this." I said. And it's just not mainstream. You know, a lot of dispatching is you press this button and you do this. But a lot mm-hmm. of the why doesn't really get explained. Or it's always been this way. That just what pops up. You know, that's what that any screen means. Or that's what this means. Go for it. Whatever, whatever. So, right. I mean, it took me months and months. But I, I researched and I researched and I did test calls. And I reached out to all subject matter experts I could find. And Mm -hmm. I made like this 20 page document on how to read an Annie Alley screen because, and that was like one of the very first things I posted on social media. And now I hand it to my trainees. I'm like, I know this looks like a lot of information and you just go through it at your leisure, but Mm -hmm. this is what call processing looks like. And when you get this on an Annie Alley screen, this is exactly what it means. And these are what those numbers mean. And it may not be helpful to everybody. Some people might look at it and laugh, but it was just something for me. It just completely transformed how I did my job. And then once I once I published that, I realized, you know what? There's a lot of little things that I'm struggling on. So I'm just going to reteach it to myself and I'm going to make a guide and I'm going to publish it and hope somebody else finds it useful.
0: Oh, I know that people do because I've just seen, you know, you'll you'll see one person will reply to you and then it's just like, me too, me too, me too, or like, <laughs> awesome. And so no, it's you, you've you yeah, been making a difference not only for your trainees, but for a lot of people out there. Yeah, it makes
1: me happy. You know, I, I tell everybody that if I've struggled on something, I really just want to be the last person to struggle on it. Even if it's something embarrassing, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll I'll get pretty vulnerable on Facebook and done or that. whatever. Sorry. And I'm like, so <laughs> uh-huh. I should know this. But I didn't know this. So I started researching it. Hope you guys find this useful. And then I have all these people like, oh, my God, we didn't know that either. Thank you. <laughs> I said, well, okay. You know, because well, I would much rather be honest about it and hopefully to help somebody else.
0: Because as dispatchers, we are control. We are you know, we are the super studs out there. And so we don't like to say that we don't know something. So, no. you know, We're we just know sound everything. confident.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. But there's probably stuff. Well, I don't know. I, my husband would, would say that there's a few things I don't know, but I think they know everything. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I think it, it um, comes
1: with maturity for me too. The older I get, I realize the more vulnerable I can be. Because mm-hmm. there's somebody that's going to benefit from me being vulnerable and me being honest. Because the more of us that just keep lying to the world and telling us that we're all okay and we're not, mm-hmm. it's not going to help anybody. Yeah. So as I've no. gotten older, I've, I've realized, okay, it's embarrassing, but I'm just going to post this because somebody else is going to find this helpful to them. And I think that's why right. I've gotten a positive response from people because other people have – probably had the same thoughts but didn't know how to articulate it and then when they saw it, oh yeah, that's exactly what I tried to say or
0: something exactly. like that. Exactly. And there hasn't been a lot out there. Um I know when I first started the the program at the high school 13 years ago you know, I thought I was going to walk in and all of a sudden I'm a teacher. And so I would be handed a box of lesson plans and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, There was nothing. I think I got some whiteboard markers and some paper and a box of pens. Um, So I had to build the curriculum from the ground up. And again, it's kind of like what you've been saying is I just had to go to, you know, look here and look here and build this and learn from experience. And Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So, before we end this discussion, what last bit of information or advice would you give to any current CTOs out there or anyone looking to restructure their training programs? Oh man.
1: I um I think I made a guide about this a couple months ago and I pretty much said you don't have to be in charge to make a difference or help out, you know, and every single person that works at my agency, they are good at something that nobody else is good at. Like they, you know, it's, it's their Mm -hmm. thing. Just like I have my thing and my coworkers have their thing. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: if more people just started taking the initiative and making their own little guides or making their own little resources, things that they are very good at, and just started kind of handing them out to coworkers, handing them out to, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've had my coworkers give me stuff. I'm like, hey, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if this will help your trainee. And I'm like, help your trainee. That's going to help me. I'm going to put this in my little box. Thank you very much. Seriously. Uh, you know, and we have a shared drive. We have a shared Google Drive. Um, at my agency, like that's used agency wide. And then we have like, my mm-hmm. shift has a Google doc drive that we all kind of put things in together. You know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be running the show to help out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's always good to, if you make something, obviously, you know, send it up the chain, give it to your supervisor, let your administration know that, Hey, I made this, this might be beneficial to a couple people, or this might help or, You know, so I'm a big, I'm a big advocate of that. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to sit around and wait till you get promoted or sit around and wait for something to change. If you have something valuable to give people, go ahead and do it and then give it out. And, you know, and I, I know a lot of agencies are different, you know, that might be against policy. I'm not hundred percent sure. There might be some agencies where things have to be fully approved. Before they go on the floor, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm honestly, I've only worked at two agencies. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's hundreds of thousands of different rules that I probably have no idea that exist. But my advice would just be, you know, find out what you're good at. And if you think that you have a talent or a resource that would help others, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and make it and pass it up along the chain. You know, the worst that can happen is, thank you. But, you know, we don't really need this or, you know, something like that. But that's another reason why, you know, I just, I like to post things online because anything can go online. You know, anybody's allowed to, I mean, true, truly. Right, right. And, uh-huh. you know, I'm not the expert in everything. I'm not, I don't know every single thing I'm talking about, but I'd like to think that my stuff is helping someone out there. And if somebody wants to put their trust in me, going, well, that seems like pretty sound advice. I'm going to take it. It might help. Mm -hmm. And it might, like my snowball effect, but in a good way, it might snowball Mm -hmm. effect to one day, six months down the road, some trainer showed their trainee how to do something or explained to them something that I told them, and then ends up saving somebody's life. And that's obviously very silver lining thinking, but you just never know.
0: So... that's the ultimate goal right there.
1: Right. So it's my opposite of snowball effect, but I think, you know, I I'm always trying to when my coworkers and stuff make little make little resource guides or make little things, I'm like going to take that, going to print that, going to put that in my box because I'm never going to turn down something. That's how I feel. If somebody has mm-hmm. taken the time to make something, I'm going to take it and I'm going to learn it and I'm going to, you know, we have um we dispatch for a university and mm-hmm. I've never really been, I've been on the campus a couple of times, even though I've lived in the area for six years, there's just not a lot of reason for me to go on said university's campus. Right. And, but I have dispatchers that know it like the back of their hands and have made detailed maps and detailed stuff and all this. And I gladly accept that. Because oh, that's awesome. I'm not gonna there's no way I'd ever be able to make that. So yes, right. Of course. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take that in, and put it in my little toolbox. Um, mm-hmm. So that would that's my answer for anybody. My advice would be, if you know that you can contribute something worth value, then go ahead and do it. And if I like that. That means, you know, and, and obviously, like I said, a lot of it maybe have to go through the chain. you have to talk Mm -hmm. to your supervisor, you go up from there, but I mean, go ahead and try worst case. They say, thank you, but we're not looking for that right now. Right. At some point they're going
0: to say, thank you, but we are using it.
1: Right. I mean, exactly. exactly. So there's, there's all these things. And even just way before I was a trainer, I would make little resources just for myself and keep them in my box Mm -hmm. And I would just use them for myself to make myself a better dispatcher, like a dispatcher long before
0: I started training. Mm -hmm. So. No, everything you said, I totally agree with. Um, So with that being said, thank you so much for sharing your insight into such an important discussion. And I'm so thankful we were able to talk about this and promote such a great uh, topic. So thank you, Chris.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. That's I mean, and just just the fact that you invited me to be on here makes me smile. I'm like, well, I'm I'm really making a difference somewhere. You know, I've people at least hear my name and it's in a positive light. Oh, Chris really is passionate about training. She really likes training and I'd like to talk to her more about it. So just I mean, that made my week like that just made Yay. me so happy that you know because everybody i mean at the end of the day we are human and human mm-hmm. nature is you like to be wanted you want to be needed you want to know that you're making a difference and you're not just standing out in the void doing nothing right. or spending spending years and years of your life we we're like am i really doing anything am i making mm-hmm. a difference or things and i think that's just being in dispatch we have no closure ever no there's nothing. Well, so we really do feel like we're standing out in the void and we never get the return on whether or not it's good.
0: Right. Well, and then um, I think after this podcast is released, um, there's going to be so many more people that are going to hear your message. And hopefully this will make a huge difference in training across the U.S. and in the CTO pro- programs and in making this the current CTO feel valued and, and step up that professionalism and, and know that, you know, Hey, we're rooting for you and do a great job. And the next generation of 911 is out there and they're going to do great things because of our CTOs. I appreciate it. And I hope so. I really hope so. Oh, awesome. Well, hopefully this has provided all of you with some great information that you can also share with your comm centers. If you have any ideas for any topics that you would like to know more about Or if you're willing to share your expertise on future episodes, please email me at laurie at comms-coach.com. It's laurie at comms-coach.com. Thanks again for listening and see you all next time.